Good evening to you all and thank you for joining me and many, many others in this time of fellowship and worship tonight here on Fortress Radio. I hope you've all had a wonderful Easter and that you know the presence of the living Christ in your hearts and lives. Tonight we're going to think about Thomas, but for a change, not in a negative way. For Thomas has a lot to teach us about being an ordinary bloke in a difficult world. And we all know how that feels, don't we? Not many people would encourage us to try to dare to be a Thomas, you might think. But, you know, by the end of the meeting tonight, you may just change your mind. So yes, there will be an emphasis tonight on the word doubt, but for very good reasons. And our first song together, number 25 in the songbook, tells of mists of doubt encompassing us. No problem to the Christian at all if we continue to hold our Father's hand. We need faith to give us that victory. And that's the tune we're going to sing this great song to this evening. God's love to me is wonderful. the disciple Thomas could indeed have written our prayer chorus this evening. But 
It was left to Colonel Hal Beckett to pen these words and to set them to an Icelandic folk tune while he served as the officer in charge of Salvation Army's work in that country. The words in the songbook are found in number 783. Prayer gently lifts me to highest heaven, from earth's confusion to Jesus' breast. My sin and weakness, my doubt and sorrow, are lost forever in sweetest rest. This is From Earth's Confusion. For our prayer time this evening, I'd like to do something different. 
I'm going to read you a brand new poem. This is from the pen of Commissioner Harry Reid. And I don't know if you know, but the Commissioner writes a new poem at least once every week and puts it on his Facebook page. This one is called Doubt and Tenderness. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands. Unless I put my finger where they were. Unless I place my hand within his side, I never will believe he has returned. Unless I know he is the risen Christ, that Joseph's garden tomb was not the end. Unless I see the proof that he is here, I choose my judgment to withhold. Unless he comes walks with me on life's way, unless he gives me power his will to do, unless I am convinced of answered prayer, my mind will not accept my heart's desire. The risen Jesus said, reach forth your hand, and faithful Thomas said, my Lord, my God. Amen. Let's sing together again now. It's number 907 in the songbook. This song speaks of the changes that others should see in you and me as a result of our encounters with Christ. Is there really a difference? Can we be honest with ourselves? Are we really that different from the way that we were before we met Jesus? I sincerely hope we are. And I also hope that we're all still growing in our faith and that we experience day by day all the riches of his love and grace and mercy as we live our lives to try to follow him. Since Jesus came into my heart.
I do pray that the words of that third verse are really true for you. No dark clouds of doubt, no my pathway obscure, since Jesus came into my heart. No doubts? Well, then nothing should be able to stop us as Christians, should it? With Jesus in our hearts and singing as we go, maybe we each can dare to be a Thomas, or even dare to be a Daniel. I was delighted to be asked recently to transfer an old 1970 EP single of Wealdstone Singing Company onto digital, and I wanted to use the song Dare to Be a Daniel from that record in the setting by Edward Gregson tonight. But it's preceded by a very short chorus by Brindley Boone, and I feel the two go well together. With Jesus in our hearts, we will want to sing Make Jesus King to the Whole World. And that's daring to be a Daniel in itself, isn't it? So here are the Wealdstone Singing Company, with Singing We Go and Dare to Be a Daniel.
Our Bible reading this evening is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God! Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Our message from the Songsters this evening is brought to us by Portsmouth Citadel Songsters, and I'm delighted that it's my sister Ruthie Bell that's the soloist in this piece. Since this was recorded, Ruthie's undergone several years of quite poor health, but I'm sure we'll all pray that she continues to improve, and that we may hear her lovely voice once again singing for Jesus. This is Mark Hayes' foot-tapping song, We've Come This Far By Faith.
song Just As I Am by Charlotte Elliott, song 503, has meant so much to many, many people over the years. And there will be a lot of us who can remember kneeling at the mercy seat when it's been used in a meeting. It's one of those songs that speaks right into our hearts. And we can relate the struggles that the writer refers to, to our own experiences. Those feelings of being unworthy, unfaithful, tossed about by conflicts and, yes, like Thomas again, racked with doubts. And yet it gives us a wonderful sense of reassurance that Jesus always saw us as worthy. He, the Lamb of God, was prepared to shed his blood for you and me. And so we reply, O Lamb of God, I come. Listen now as the International Staff Band play us Wilf Heaton's beautiful meditation on that song.
I honestly think that we're all sceptics at heart, you know. How many times do we reply to a friend or a family member with responses such as, Get away! You're pulling my leg. Don't be so daft. Go on. You must be joking. Utter nonsense. What a load of claptrap. And who could forget the much-loved character from a BBC comedy series a few years ago, old Victor Meldrew, with his ever-present response, I don't believe it! Well, as far as Christianity's concerned, some of the biggest sceptical opposition that the Gospel has ever received comes from scientists. Those who rely on nothing but facts and logical happenings to fuel their convictions. They might say to us, blind men don't suddenly see when someone touches their eyes. A crippled man just can't get up and walk because he's told to. Hemorrhaging ladies don't suddenly get healed by touching someone else's coat. And dead people don't come back to life. Oh, especially that last one. All of science tells us that dead is dead. And if you try to convince me of anything other than that, then you are fundamentally wrong. In that case, I saw it suggested this week that Thomas, perhaps, ought to be the patron saint of scientists. Oh, poor Thomas. Undoubtedly a twin, though we know not of whom, I can imagine him growing up with a brother who was constantly trying to outdo him winding him up, telling him tall stories, trying to kid him, have him on. I'm sure you can too. Just because of this one reference in what was originally the last chapter of John's Gospel, thank God, by the way, that the Apostle added the wonderful chapter 21 a few years later to the original manuscripts, for elsewhere in the Gospels, we read that Thomas was a very devoted disciple. Do you know, we only hear of Thomas four times in the stories of Jesus, and not at all until Jesus was heading to Bethany upon hearing that his great friend Lazarus was very ill. Bethany was not very far from Jerusalem, and both Jesus and his followers knew all too well the dangers of returning to that area. And so the other disciples clearly tried to dissuade the Master from going at all, the Jews want to stone you, some warned. But it was Thomas who finally spoke up and settled the matter. Well, let us all go then, he said, so that we may die with him. Now that no doubt surprised the others. But nevertheless, it jolted them into making the appropriate response. And so they went. This was a faithful and brave Thomas. No scepticism there. Do you know, I think Thomas had worked the whole thing through in his head. He was the logical thinker, while the rest of them were just frightened of losing Jesus. Thomas had played out this whole scenario, looking at what would probably happen when Jesus eventually returned to Jerusalem, and perhaps picking up on some of the things that Jesus had said to them, maybe a little more than the others had, he could see the inevitable way that it was going to end. 
So this Thomas was no coward. He was not exactly a hero either, perhaps, but just one of the ordinary blokes. One of us. So while Peter and John whimsically imagined between themselves who was going to get the bigger throne or sit on Jesus' right-hand side, Thomas knew those discussions weren't for him. There was nothing special about him. All he wanted to do was be courageous and loyal. And so he was, as we have seen, standing up for sanity in the situation and being the one to stand up for common sense. Listen, lads, we've followed Jesus for three years. When's that been wrong? Jesus wants to go to Bethany, so let's go. He hasn't led us wrong before. He's in charge. If something happens to him there, then it's our duty to follow and be part of it, to accept our fate in the same way he would. We're in this together. And so they went. We don't read anything else about Thomas after that until the Last Supper, there in the upper room before Jesus went out to pray in Gethsemane. Jesus had just told them that one of their own inner circle was a traitor, was just about to betray him. Well, we've already experienced Thomas's courage, bravery and loyalty, so this revelation must have upset him so much he would have thought the others were just as loyal and devoted as he was. Come on, Lord, you're pulling my leg! Can you just imagine the sorrow and gloom that would have descended on that upper room at that moment? One of us? Jesus could see their disappointment in their faces and no doubt he could feel the atmosphere in the room. So, of course, Jesus began to reassure them. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he said. Those famous lines about his father's house having many mansions and that he was going to prepare them a place. We hear that so often. But then he ended it with a lesser heard or reflected upon phrase. You know the way to the place where I am going. And that was the bit that was just a little bit too cryptic for Thomas. Thomas as we know, wanted facts, and so he was compelled to speak up again. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And that question gave Jesus just the opening to deliver one of the greatest lines in the whole Bible. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can ever come to God except through me. Now that was Jesus's most clear and definitive statement to us ever about who he is. And the importance of what he says is still not clear enough for some people, it seems. You can only reach God through Jesus himself. And if we don't believe that, then we must think no more of Jesus than we would of any other liar or charlatan 
who's ever tried to deceive men through history. So thank you for asking that question, Thomas. Wow! You see, Thomas was not so much a doubter than a realist. The patron saint indeed of all those sceptical scientists. I love lots of what you might call popular music. I love all sorts of music of many, many different types. And so my mind, as I type, is drawn to that American pop song from about 40 years ago. A song that I might paraphrase for you now about where I, and maybe you, feel at any particular time in the world today. Doubters to the right of me, sceptics to the left, here am I, stuck in the middle with Jesus. Well, maybe that's where we are, just like those disciples on their tentative way to Bethany, or in the upper room, or in the Garden of Gethsemane, or even at the cross. Always in need of that encouragement and direction from the Lord himself. And I think Thomas was doing exactly the same thing again in our reading today. He wasn't necessarily the doubter we make him out to be. He certainly didn't deserve that as a loyal and brave disciple. But he was that sceptic, that realist. All sceptics of Christianity do concern me. But particularly right now, as in the 21st century, Many of them have a very loud voice in the media, in politics and in society in general. In my days with the group many years ago, we had a song called Skeptics that proved a very popular item in our concerts. Some of the lyrics read, Love is an illusion. Jesus isn't real. How can you have faith in what you cannot see or feel? And the last verse of the song told the story of Nicky Cruz, who older listeners might remember from the film The Cross and the Switchblade. Living just for dying, dying just to kill. Nicky Cruz was on the street, he'd never do God's will. That skinny little preacher was brave enough to say, Fifteen stabbings aren't enough to keep God's love away. And so the chorus could justifiably ask, for Nicky Cruz and for me, Skeptics of the word of God, surely you can see. Now I'm Christian, can't you see a difference in me? And there's your proof. There's the proof to the sceptics around you every day of your lives. Can they see the difference in you? We used to sing an old chorus that said, I would that others may see the marks of Jesus in me. For they will not believe if they do not perceive the marks of Jesus in me. Well, that chorus turns the whole doubting Thomas story round on us, doesn't it? Thomas got the message, and his response for the rest of his life was, My Lord and my God! That was enough for Thomas to dedicate to Jesus every day of the rest of his life. We believe he was martyred in India nearly 40 years later, 
having had the courage and loyalty to take the gospel message to a whole new part of the world. This was no weakling. This was no coward. Or even if he was, don't we sing anyway, others may reject the weakling, but I believe he can be strong. Well, with the power of the Holy Spirit, so can we all. So don't doubt him now. Ask for that strength. And why not, right now, dare to be a Thomas? See? 
Lord, as we bow before you tonight, we pray that you will truly take away all our doubts and fears. Fill us with the joy of your presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we may be effective witnesses to a world that is so in need of you. May each of us be loyal, brave, courageous and true. And may we always call you our Lord and Master. May we, in the best possible way, dare to be a Thomas. Amen. That beautiful song we heard before the prayer was sung to us by Jude Gottridge. But I'd like to thank all who've taken part in our meeting tonight. And I pray God's blessing on you all for a happy, healthy and productive week in your Christian faith. To make ourselves right with God, let's sing together that great song by Herbert Booth, number 722 in the songbook. And again, I draw your attention to the third verse. From all the doubts that have filled me with gloom, cleansing for me. From all the fears that would point me to doom, cleansing for me. Jesus, although I may not understand, in childlike faith now I stretch forth my hand. And through thy word and thy grace I shall stand cleansed by thee. Cleansed by thee. Hallelujah. Let that be the prayer of our hearts tonight as we sing.
And now, Lord, I pray that your grace, peace and heaven's richest and choicest blessings will go with us all every day of our lives. Amen.